Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 24 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. During 2016, the cute and fuzzy creatures of Beatrix Potter's famous children's books were being added to 50 pence coins to commemorate 150 years since the author's birth. No one was to predict the coins, engraved with classic characters such as Mrs. Tiggywinkle and Jemima Puddleduck, would be the motivating factor behind a brutal murder. Gordon McGee was living in Colchester, Essex, almost 400 miles away from Dunbar, East Lothian, where he originated. Living on the ground floor of a small block of flats on Forest Road in the Greenstead Estate, he was seldom short of company, despite living alone. The 52-year-old was affable and had made friends with his neighbours, some of which, in 2018, he had been friends with for over six years. His favourite tipple was vodka, and sometimes he dabbled in smoking cannabis. If he became a little too intoxicated, one of his friends would assist him back to his flat, making sure his home was secured after they tucked him into bed. People were fond of the man, who was described as kind and caring. A neighbour would later say he was friendly, he would help anybody. Gordon was still close with his ex-partner Elaine and her child Tony. He was not her biological father, 
but he treated her like his daughter. Gordon had a few issues with his health, his mobility was decreasing over time, and he managed diabetes which contributed to his larger build. Though sociable, he did spend his time on more solitary hobbies, which included fishing. Gordon McGee was especially enthusiastic about his coin collection, which he kept organised in plastic wallets and tins in his flat. Though coin collecting isn't a pursuit considered widely popular in this day and age, Gordon's interest was shared with some of his friends and neighbours. Danny Bostock was an acquaintance of Gordon McGee's. They had met through a mutual friend, Gordon's neighbour. Bostock, in his early 30s, did not have an easy childhood. He was from a large family, the fifth of seven siblings. Bostock's mother gave birth to a first child at 13 years old, still a child herself, and by 18 she was a parent to five of her seven children. Bostock would later recall that he was raised by foster parents from six months old. He believed they only looked after him so they could care for his older sister. While in school, Bostock struggled with his studies. He was diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD. His foster father then passed away, creating further turmoil in his life. Now living in a boarding school better equipped to deal with children with behavioural needs, Bostock would flee visiting his foster father's grave or simply to smoke cannabis. When it was time to leave school, he had no qualifications and had already amounted a sizeable criminal record for offences including assault, burglary and handling stolen goods. Stints in prison were interspersed with labouring jobs, and fast food preparation. 2015 marked his last registered period of employment, a position at Taco Bell. During his mid-twenties, he decided to trace his biological father. The reunion did not go as he would have liked, as his father did not want anything to do with him. In 2018, Bostock, who previously used the name Danny Maltman, already had one child and another on the way with a new girlfriend. He shared Gordon McGee's interesting coins, asking local shopkeepers to keep an eye open when they were given any change. He hoped the cashiers might just be handed the rare collector's coins he was looking for, commemorating the Second World War, the Commonwealth and Olympic Games, the birth of William Shakespeare or those engraved with characters from Beatrix Potter. In early 2008, Danny Bostock, then known as Danny Maltman, was summoned to court again, this time to face a more serious charge. Rape. He admitted that this period was during a dark phase in his life, and he was impulsive, but he denied the rape charge. A jury were convinced of his guilt, and he was sentenced to six years in prison. A few months after he was incarcerated, he had another four months added to his sentence for a further charge of burglary and attempted burglary. 
He was told this was to be served consecutively with the separate sentence he received for rape. A man on the early shift was on his way to work at 5am in June 2007, travelling past East Street allotments in Colchester and saw what he described as a fireball pierce the early summer sky. The flames were coming from a nearby shed. He could hear noises. It later transpired that Danny Maltman and a teenage accomplice had targeted the allotment, forcing their way into six sheds but failing to gain access to others. As a parting act of destruction, they set fire to one. Thankfully, due to the unsociable hour, no one was close enough to the scene to be hurt, though the pair had caused close to £700 in damage. The teenage accomplice, too young to be named publicly, admitted to being under the influence of narcotics and drink at the time, telling the court he was taking steps to change his behaviour. He was given a 10-month detention and training order. Judge Peter Fenn at Colchester Crown Court told the pair, Allotments are something which give a great deal of pleasure to those who have them, and people give a great deal of their time and effort in tending them. Your actions must have caused a great deal of distress to these people. Danny Maltman would serve less than half of his sentence and was free to leave sometime in 2010. He left his father's surname at the prison gates and from then on was known as Danny Bostock. A friendship group had formed at the flats of Forest Road in Colchester. Melissa McGrory had a close bond with her neighbour Gordon McGee. She knew Danny Bostock. All three of them collected coins. Also in the circle of friends was Daniel Wellham, who Bostock had known from his days in boarding school. Their friendship was temperamental, particularly as they reportedly had a history of substance abuse. Danny Bostock and Gordon McGee seemed to get on. As well as collecting coins, they both enjoyed playing Tom Clancy games on their Xbox games console. Gordon had even been so generous as to give Bostock a few of his coins and some replicas, expecting nothing in return. Bostock was out of work, so had plenty of free time to visit his friends at the flats. They saw him at least four times a week. During a midweek summer's night in August 2018, the four were drinking and smoking cannabis at the flats when the mood turned sour at the home of Melissa McGrory. Bostock and Daniel Wellham started arguing. Some of Melissa McGrory's coins were missing and Bostock believed it was his childhood friend Wellham who had pocketed them. That's not the only thing they were having a disagreement about. Daniel Wellham confessed that he was less than enthusiastic about an offer made by Bostock, asking him to be the godfather to his unborn baby. Gordon McGee voiced his opinion that he thought Daniel Wellham should leave, but Melissa said he could stay. Gordon by this point was fairly intoxicated. Melissa assisted him getting him to his bed 
and making sure the flat was secured before posting the key through the letterbox. She returned to the company of Wellam and Bostock to continue drinking and smoking. Sometime later, Gordon awoke, got out of bed and wandered back to the party where the friends chatted and after smoking some cannabis, Gordon made his way back to his room, this time unaided, and got into bed. He neglected to lock the door. Back at the party, the subject of Melissa's stolen coins was still a hot topic and the disagreement had got way out of hand. In a bid to stop Daniel Wellam and Danny Bostock from arguing, Melissa McGrory took a knife and cut herself. Bostock quickly did the same and sliced himself with the knife. Daniel Wellam told both of his friends they were crazy before storming out and leaving the gathering. Later, after heading to the front of the flats, Melissa said she was going to get a taxi to the hospital. Bostock said he was going to go with her. But in the end, the car left Forest Road in the early hours, travelling to Colchester Hospital with only Melissa and the taxi driver inside the vehicle. Later that morning, Gordon McGee did not answer the door when a courier bringing his medications attempted to make a delivery. This was most unusual for Gordon, a man who relied on a prescription to manage his health issues. During the afternoon, about 2.30pm, Melissa and some other neighbours decided to nip over and see Gordon. He was almost always seen out by that time of day, but today he wasn't. The front door was intact, closed though unlocked, There was nothing else to indicate the horrors Melissa would find inside. She entered the flat as was customary in her and Gordon's relationship. All four knobs on the gas cooker had been turned up to maximum. She then noticed a burned dishcloth nearby on the hallway floor. It had obviously been left there to cause a fire or explosion, but the rag did not stay lit long enough to allow the fire to spread to the gas which had filled the flat. The partially singed cloth would be a key piece of evidence in the ensuing trial. As concerning as the scene was, it paled in comparison to the discovery of Gordon McGee. He was found lying on the floor covered in blood with multiple wounds, particularly to the upper half of his body. Gordon was cold to the touch and lifeless. Essex police were quick to move in, going door-to-door as forensic officers analysed the scene. CCTV was reviewed, and sniffer dogs combed the pathways and alleys off Forest Road close to Gordon McGee's flat. Shocked neighbours were thoroughly questioned, and were only too happy to assist police in tracking down the killer of their much-loved friend and neighbour. A member of the Colchester Borough Council who attended the scene was interviewed. Tim Young, former councillor for Greenstead, said, The incident happened in a council-owned property, so it puts a bit more onus on the council to work alongside the police to make sure people feel safe. It is a very strong, resilient community in Greenstead, with a lot of community spirit. 
Thankfully, incidents like this are very rare, but people do worry about them, and hopefully they will be able to bounce back. He went on to say, The police reacted very quickly and very appropriately, and have remained on the scene ever since. But I would urge people to be vigilant, as there have been no arrests. There was no delay in finding out where Gordon was and who he was with in the last few hours of his life. Senior detectives publicly thanked the residents of the Greenstead estate for their cooperation. Detective Inspector Alan Pitcher leading the inquiry urged people, particularly those with dashcam footage that had been in the area during the early morning hours around the time of Gordon's murder, to contact him. He said, I'm specifically interested in hearing from people who were in the Forest Road, Hawthorne Avenue and Avon Way areas of Greenstead between 2am and 6am on Wednesday morning. I want to know if anyone saw anything suspicious and I'm especially keen to hear from someone who may have been driving in that area and has dashcam footage of their journey to get in touch with the team. Gordon McGee's body was discovered on Wednesday afternoon. By Saturday morning, police had enough evidence to arrest Danny Bostock. The next day he faced both the charge of murder, along with the charge of arson with intent to endanger life. He appeared at Chelmsford Magistrates Court and was remanded in custody at HMP Chelmsford. Bail would not be possible due to the seriousness of the charges. The very same day, his girlfriend gave birth to Bostock's second child. According to Danny Bostock on the evening in question, after Melissa got into the taxi to go to the hospital, he got on his bicycle and went out to find more alcohol. In the early hours of the morning, he headed to the shops a mile away on Barrack Street. There was something strange about this account. While taking the approximately eight-minute bicycle route, he would have passed a shop, specifically a Tesco which was open 24 hours a day. The shop on Barrack Road was shut, so he stated that he continued another 1.2 miles to his pregnant girlfriend's home on Tangerine Close. There were, however, significant issues with his account. Evidence placed Bostock at the scene of the crime. The print from the sole of a brown Lonsdale trainer he was said to be wearing that night had distributed Gordon's blood throughout the flat. A box for the shoes was found at Bostock's home, and CCTV showed the 32-year-old on his bicycle pedalling away from the Greenstead estate. He was wearing brown trainers and a pink diesel brand t-shirt. Gordon McGee's blood was also later found on the left pedal of the GT Aggressor mountain bike Bostock was riding that night. Gordon had been brutally murdered. A total of 14 stab wounds punctured his body, including his face and neck. Defensive wounds marked the skin on his arms. He had evidently fought hard to try and stop the attack. More damning evidence against Bostock came over the next few months. His DNA was found on the dishcloth used to try and start the fire and on a ripped plastic packet that was used to store Gordon's coins, 
The packet also showed smears of blood, likely being transferred by a gloved hand. Danny Bostock denied he was responsible, explaining that his DNA was on the cloth as he had cleaned up a spillage earlier in the evening. He also claimed his longtime friend Daniel Weller must have worn his Lonsdale trainers to murder Gordon McGee. Bostock insisted Daniel must have been angry at Gordon for suggesting he leave the flats that evening. According to Bostock, Gordon wasn't fond of Daniel Wellam anyway. But detectives could find no evidence of this, and Daniel Wellam was not charged or even arrested in relation to Gordon McGee's murder. Gordon's missing coin collection, the t-shirt Danny Bostock was seen wearing on CCTV and the knife, were never recovered. In October, legal problems arose with Bostock's defence team insisting that due to a delay in the evidence being presented by the prosecution, they would be serving an application to dismiss the case. A plea and case management hearing was due to take place. However, Nika Akadula, who was part of Bostock's defence team, had only recently seen the legal papers. The defendant has been in custody since his arrest on August 25th, she said. We need to go through the evidence in a reasonable time frame. The first statement is dated on September 28th, but for some reason was not uploaded until October 18th. It leaves us no time to be able to see Mr Bostock. He faces a very serious charge and we need a reasonable amount of time to go through the evidence with him. Judge Martin Levitt set a provisional date for the dismissal hearing the following month. However, the CPS finally presented the case and disclosed the required evidence a few days later. On December 4, 2018, Danny Bostock appeared at Ipswich Crown Court via video link from HMP Chelmsford. A three-week trial was scheduled for February 2019, and he would remain in prison until that time. He was still denying his involvement, and frustrated, Bostock was told by Judge Martin Levitt that he would still have to attend regular court hearings via video link regardless of his thoughts about the legal proceedings. The trial began as scheduled at Ipswich Crown Court early the following year, and Danny Bostock faced charges of murder and attempted reckless arson. He pleaded not guilty. Opening Andrew Jackson prosecuting, told the court only hours before Gordon McGee's death, Danny Bostock had traded his own collection of Beatrix Potter coins with people on the estate. Realising Gordon had an extensive collection of coins, Bostock wanted to take them for himself. Andrew Jackson labelled Gordon's brutal murder as determined. He said, It was in the early hours of Wednesday, August 22nd last year, that this defendant, Danny Bostock, went to the home of 52-year-old Gordon McGee. 
he went there to burgle Mr. McGee's home. He was disturbed during the course of the burglary by Mr. McGee, and so he murdered Mr. McGee by stabbing him several times. He stabbed Mr. McGee 14 times to his face, neck and upper body. Two of the stab wounds penetrated deep into his chest and lungs, causing massive bleeding. These injuries were catastrophic and killed Mr. McGee. He left Mr. McGee laying in his own blood in his own home and tried to destroy the flat by fire. He wanted to destroy Mr. McGee's body and all traces of what he had done. The prosecutor pointed out the catalogue of forensic evidence against Danny Bostock, including Gordon McGee's blood transferred by the brown Lonsdale trainers he wore and later tried to dispose of, another blood stain on the left pedal of his bicycle, likely transferred from his trainer while riding, and Bostock's DNA on a dishcloth, which he allegedly used to try and set fire to the flat. Defence barrister Alison Levitt QC representing Danny Bostock tried to play down her client's interest in obtaining Gordon McGee's coin collection. Levitt told jurors her client was purely interested in the newer limited edition coins. In contrast, Gordon's coin collection had a lot of specialist older coins that were not readily available. The defence proposed that it was in fact Daniel Wellham who had killed Gordon McGee after becoming angry that Gordon had asked him to leave the gathering. Alison Levitt QC said that it was Wellham who had used her client's shoes on that night, and his fingerprints had been found in Gordon's bedroom. Regarding the murder, Daniel Wellham would later tell the court, I had nothing to do with it, nothing to do with it whatsoever. I did not do that. He told the jury the only reason why his fingerprints were in the bedroom was that he had borrowed some DVDs from Gordon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A forensic scientist who attended the scene after Gordon was discovered spoke to the court. Judith Cunson discussed her findings telling the jury that the evidence showed Gordon McGee had been attacked at first in his bedroom. During the struggle with the intruder, he had been standing, sitting, and finally in a laying position. She said, In my opinion, the nature and distribution of the blood indicated a sustained assault on Mr. McGee had taken place in several locations in the bedroom, mainly when he was on the bed and on the floor near the bedside cabinet. He has remained on the bed for some time, bleeding profusely onto the pillow and bedding. Blood spatter near the doorway indicated he may have been assaulted near the doorway. When the blood started to flow, there is no indication of blood spatter or assault anywhere else. The expert witness confirmed that as blood was smeared by a gloved hand on a package where Gordon kept his coins... This indicated they had been taken after the attack. Leanne Reed, a neighbour and friend of Gordon McGee, told the court she knew the victim was a coin collector, though admitted she had never actually seen the defendant's collection, despite Bostock discussing what coins he had. Leanne Reed testified that Danny Bostock had sought to exchange some of his collection, specifically his Beatrix Potter coins. She said, quote, He had sat in the courtyard and asked if anybody wanted to swap any. He said that a few times on a couple of occasions. Gordon had said a few times that Danny Bostock had asked if he could have looked at his coin collection. He told me he had Beatrix Potter coins, and he told me he had a £50 coin and was getting a £100 coin in the post. He was hoping he would have a grandchild, and that he would be able to pass them on. Leanne was asked to describe Gordon, who she had been friends with for approximately a year. He was kind, friendly, 
and he would help anybody. If you asked for help, he would help you. Like Melissa McGrory, sometimes Leanne assisted Gordon, getting him into bed after they had socialised in the communal courtyard. She had done so the evening before he was murdered. As she was leaving his flat, she called out goodnight. Gordon responded, goodnight darling, and Leanne popped the key through the door. Melissa McGrory, who had been with Gordon on the last night of his life, addressed the court. She spoke of their friendship. They didn't only socialise at the flats in the evenings. They would go on day trips together and had been friends throughout some difficult periods in their lives. Melissa spoke of an interaction between Gordon McGee and Danny Bostock. She said, Danny Bostock had come to my flat to drop something off and I was telling him about my 50p collection. He was interested, and we would exchange conversation about our collections. Gordon was there, and he got up and came back to mine with his tin. I think Danny was amazed by the collection. Gordon took his prize ones out and then said to Danny, he could have a couple, and Danny took some. He seemed very grateful, and it made Gordon smile. Melissa McGrory recalled the events before Gordon was killed. Danny Bostock and Daniel Wellam arguing, taking Gordon to bed, him getting up again a few hours later, her self-harming to stop the argument, then getting into a taxi to go to the hospital. As Melissa was the one to find her friend, she told the court about the discovery. I walked in and straight away I smelled gas. I went straight to the kitchen and all the hobs were turned on full blast. Melissa immediately turned them off and opened the windows to get some airflow through the flat. It was then she went into Gordon's bedroom and found him dead. I saw him on the floor of the bedroom. When I saw him I was in shock and just could not believe what I was seeing and I knocked on my other neighbour's door straight away. She rang for the ambulance. After that I went into the bedroom. She told me I had to go and double check and touch him. She was saying you have got to be brave. I touched his legs. And then with the back of my hand I touched his stomach. Both were cold. Under cross-examination, Melissa McGrory admitted that the main door to the block of flats was not secure and it was possible for anyone to gain entry if they so wished. When Danny Bostock took the stand, he was at first asked to describe Gordon McGee to the court. Bostock responded, He was a happy, jolly person, a friendly drunk who told it how it was. He was a good person. He always had a drink in his hand or on the table. Bostock spoke of his coin collection and how he planned to pass the limited edition 50 pence and £2 coins he had collected down as an heirloom to his children. He said, I am quite proud of it because I am not usually good at saving money. Bostock stuck to his story regarding his whereabouts on the night Gordon was killed claiming he rode off on his bike in search of more alcohol 
before giving up in the early hours and riding to his partner's house. He admitted to having a history of drug use. He had taken cocaine and LSD, though had stopped taking these over two months before Gordon McGee was murdered. Bostock regularly smoked cannabis and drank alcohol, and had consumed both that evening. He was still insisting Daniel Wellham had somehow used his shoes to carry out the murder, though questions still remained regarding the CCTV footage which showed him on his bicycle wearing those shoes. In reference to his friend leaving Melissa McGrory's home, Bostock said, I believe when Daniel Wellham went out of Mills' flat he has picked up my trainers, thinking they were his. Bostock claimed at the end of the night when he went out and put on his shoes, they were in a different place from where he had left them earlier in the evening, so someone else must have used them. A few months before the trial, while Bostock was incarcerated, an automatic transcript was made by police which logged a telephone call between him and his sister. The prosecution would later use this as evidence, as in their opinion, Bostock had admitted to stabbing someone. A portion of it read, Even though I stab, they've actually still got nothing physically connecting me. You know what I mean? Yeah, they've obviously got that one thing and obviously, yeah, fair enough in their eyes, I've got a case to answer to. I know I'm innocent. I know it doesn't look good. I'm just trying to work out how it ended up there. In reference to the blood found on the bike pedal, he also said, Yeah, the only thing going in my favour is it's not all over. You know what I mean? It's not on the seat. It's not all over the frame. Danny Bostock disputed the accuracy of the transcript. He argued instead of I stab, it should have read it states, as that was what was said. At the time, Bostock was of the opinion that the police held no forensic evidence linking him to Gordon McGee's murder. In her closing argument, Alison Levitt QC proposed that her client may have been a, quote, social nuisance. But there was, in her words, nothing to suggest that he was capable of murder. She posed to the jury whether they believed such a vicious attack was the product of a disturbed burglary. Levitt said, one stab in a panic would have done. In her mind, the defendant was an opportunist burglar, not a killer. She pointed out that there was nothing in his past that shows he has a tendency to react with, quote, wildly disproportionate violence. Alison Levitt made no mention of Danny Bostock's past crimes. The jury retired and took only six hours to reach their unanimous decision. Danny Bostock was found guilty of the murder of Gordon McGee and guilty of attempted reckless arson. As Bostock was led back to the cells, Prosecutor Andrew Jackson read out his criminal record. In the absence of Bostock, Judge David Goodin said he would have told him directly, any murder is horrific, this one extremely so, and as a matter of law, 
a life sentence must follow. Tony Smith, the daughter of Gordon McGee's ex-partner, still considered Gordon a father figure. He treated her like his own daughter. The coin collection was meant to be passed down to Tony to help her pay for a future wedding. She was too traumatised by what happened to attend the trial and sentencing, but Crown Prosecutor Andrew Jackson read out a victim impact statement she had written. It read in part, Without his support and guidance, we are left with a big void in both our lives. Everyday tasks and activities seem uninteresting. It is hard to keep living in the light when this horrible shadow lingers over us. He is missed by us so much and by all his friends. He was a keen fisherman and brought light to that community. We hope justice will be served. During mitigation, Alison Levitt QC spoke of Danny Bostock's life, his difficult upbringing, how he never knew his biological parents, and his time in boarding school. She explained to the judge that Bostock's early years did not give him the tools needed to manage the emotional landscape of life. The judge spoke about Gordon McGee addressing Bostock before the sentence was handed down. Gordon McGee was 52, not in the best of health, couldn't easily walk far and was drinking perhaps rather more than was good for him, rather too often, and living with the assistance of carers. He was kind and highly regarded by his neighbours, who said he would do anything for anyone. He showed you his prize coin collection and gave you one, two, three of them, his duplicates, in recognition of your own interest to add to your collection. When he did that, it sparked your attention and sowed the seeds of his own destruction at your hands. You decided you would have that collection, and in the early hours of the morning of August 22nd, you went after it, having spent part of that evening with Gordon McGee and his neighbours, your friends. Alison Levitt QC said the murder wasn't planned, rather a robbery that ended badly, and that a murder weapon was not taken to the flat. She said, Something went terribly wrong during the course of this burglary. Judge David Goodin quickly retorted, This was a murder done for gain. The judge told Bostock that not only had he ended the life of Gordon McGee, but he had threatened the lives of the neighbours when he tried to blow up the victim's flat. Well, it was the envy of a coin collector that led to murder, a murder the judge here at Ipswich Crown Court described as savage and having been committed for gain. Danny Bostock had 44 previous offences, including rape. This morning, as he was sentenced to life in prison for murder with a minimum of 30 years, he showed the same lack of remorse as he had throughout the trial. Last August, Bostock stabbed... Danny Bostock will be in his early 60s when he is eligible for parole. 
Outside the courtroom, Gordon McGee's family provided a statement. As a partner and friend, he was loyal, generous, empathetic and witty. He found joy in a variety of things from his coins to playing chess and watching films. Most of his life was spent in the kitchen cooking up something amazingly tasty or outside relishing in nature. DCI Stuart Truss of the Kent and Essex Serious Crime Directorate addressed the press. My thoughts are with Mr McGee's family and friends at this difficult time. Gordon McGee, by all accounts, was a well-liked man and his death was a great shock to everyone. I don't believe that Danny Bostock showed any remorse at all for taking Mr McGee's life. His continued lies, including trying to pin the murder on an innocent man and his denial of owning the trainers that we knew were the key to this investigation, show that his attack on Mr McGee was senseless and brutal. For me, a really dangerous individual. Um, The sentence today, I think, reflects that. Danny Bostock should be behind bars. You know, this was a really, really brutal attack on on an innocent, gentle individual. So we're really pleased with the sentence today. The police were still hopeful they could retrieve at least some of Gordon McGee's collection and appeal to the public. DCI Trust said, We know that Gordon wanted to sell these coins, including the Beatrix Potter collectibles, in order to contribute to his daughter's wedding one day. And if anyone has information about their whereabouts, we'd like them to come forward. So where are we now? Danny Bostock remains in prison. The weapon used to murder Gordon McGee has not been recovered, nor has Gordon's treasured coin collection. Gordon's coin collection seems to be the motivating factor behind Bostock's actions. The group of coin-collecting friends were convinced the coins in their possession were of considerable monetary value. However, this might not have been the case. For instance, while there are a few of the rarer Beatrix Potter 50 pence pieces available, the vast majority amongst the hundreds listed on eBay at any given time sell for only a few pence more than their surface value. Clive Dennett, an expert in rare coins, was interviewed. You get an amateur who finds one of these coins and thinks, oh, I've never seen this before, I'll put it on the internet. And of course... He puts it on at £10, and then everyone thinks that coin's worth £10 because they've seen it on the internet. The internet is never wrong, is it? The 2017 Benjamin Bunny 50 pence coin sold on September 15th, 2019 for a paltry 55 pence, including free postage, actually leaving the seller with a loss. If you are lucky to have a rare and collectible coin, this might fetch in the region of £50. Maybe the coins weren't the gold mine Danny Bostock thought they were. They certainly were not more valuable than Gordon McGee's life. Thank you for listening. 
and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.